as we prepare for our readings this morning, I will pray the prayer for illumination, which calls upon the Holy Spirit to illuminate the passage, to prepare the speaker and the listener for what is intended to be heard this day. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning, the readings once again come from the New Testament. I'm going to add a reading which is appropriate for Pentecost, but I had in the bulletin you'll see that I was just going to read from 1 Corinthians 12 and John 7. But I felt it particular this day to reintroduce you to Acts 2, which is the wonderful moment where the Holy Spirit comes down upon a gathering of many races. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? Our next reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There we go. It'll be verses 3 through 13. Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterances of wisdom. To another, the utterances of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit 
we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. My final reading for this morning comes from the Gospel according to John. A short piece, John 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. sermon this morning is A Burning Thirst, inspired by that verse out of Gospel according to John. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. My question for this morning is, are you thirsty? The Jews had gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of, or for Sukkah, which is the Feast of Booths. This seven-day festival in some areas of the world, it's eight days, is in September and October, late September to late October, and commemorates the 40 years the children of Israel wandered in the desert, living in temporary shelters. The Jews would would gather in the shadow of the temple and set up shelters, tents, and, and stay there. Imagine that cleanup. Imagine the challenge of feeding the people. Imagine their thirst on the last day of the festival. So when Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, he got their attention. Everybody was likely to be thirsty. But by now, we know Jesus was not talking about physical thirst, the longing for water to soothe our burning throats. Jesus was referring to a spiritual thirst, seeking God, wanting living water, longing for the Holy Spirit. Out in the wilderness, where water can be scarce, it is said that when a hiker realizes their thirst, the hiker has been thirsting for a very long time and just didn't know it. The same can be said of spiritual thirst. When the believer realizes the need of God, that spiritual thirst has been there for a long time and just didn't know it. Just like dehydration does not come upon us in a flash, Spiritual dehydration, a lack of living water, does not come upon us in the blink of an eye. The hiker has a few signs that can be used to determine thirst. Of course, a dry mouth, one that might surprise you, but chills as the body temperature starts to rise. And the back of the hand. I really like this one. Look at the back of your left hand 
with your right hand, pinch the skin, and gently pull it up and let it go. If you are well hydrated, that skin will snap back flat. But if you're dehydrated, it'll stay in that little pinched peak. I wish I had a visual for spiritual thirst. That said, I do have a dependable indicator for spiritual thirst. It's your emotions. Are you thirsty? Are you spiritually thirsty? Let's consider a few emotions. Fear, worry, anger, sadness, negative emotions. If you regularly feel any of these emotions, you are thirsty, spiritually thirsty. And I'm not talking about the occasional wave of despair or anger that, that, that may come over you or over any of us at any one time or another. I'm talking about a re recurring negative emotion. If you've ever been asked by somebody, why are you always angry? Have you, if you've ever been asked, why do you worry so much? Or perhaps you've been told, you're afraid of everything. Or perhaps, you're making me sad. Routinely feeling negative emotions is an indicator of spiritual thirst. You are thirsty. The story is told of a young student who went to his spiritual teacher and asked the question, Master, how can I truly find God? The teacher asked the student to accompany him to the river, which ran by the village, and invited him to go into the river with him. When they got into the middle of the stream, the teacher said, Please immerse yourself in the water. The student did as he was instructed, whereupon the teacher put his hand on the young man's head and held him under the water. Immediately the student began to struggle. The master held him underwater. Still. A moment passed and the student was thrashing and beating the water and air with his arms. Still, the master held him under the water. Finally, the student was released and shot up from the water, lungs aching and gasping for air. The teacher waited for a few moments and then said, When you desire God as you truly desire to breathe the air you just breathed, then you shall find God. That's thirst. That's thirst. When you're struggling and striving and want it so badly. Like that breath of fresh air. Are you thirsty? You may be. And don't even know it. There's an old saying by Harvey McKay. Dig your well before you're thirsty. In other words... Be ready before it comes along. How would a Christian dig, dig your well? When you attend church. When you read your Bible. When you pray to God. When you coexist with other Christians of like faith. Long time ago, Billy Graham wrote, I think that hell essentially is separation from God forever. And that it is the worst hell that I can think of. But I think people have a hard time believing God is going to allow people to burn in a little literal fire forever. He says, I have a hard time believing that people are going to burn forever. He goes, I think that fire is mentioned in the Bible as a burning thirst for God that can never be quenched. As in, hell is separation from God. And that separation finally gets just takes hold of you and you crave that our God, as you might, as that young man might have craved a breath of air. 
was a terrible, terrible social situation that happened in Minneapolis, where a man by the name of George Floyd was murdered. So the papers have put one name at the top of the list of those who brought that to be. And it's a Minneapolis police officer by the name of Derek Chauvin. Last Monday night, he was involved in the murder of Mr. Floyd. That police officer had been, had, had 18, 18 complaints against him, all associated with what seems to be this routine anger within him towards people of a different race. I brought to you Acts 2, where all those people gathered before Peter of different colors, different languages, obviously different races, and the Holy Spirit came down upon them, and they were brought together as one. That is our calling as Christians. No matter whether we wear a badge, bake a cake, or can't even hold a job. It's, it's the calling of all of us that we are one. I once was told that in a mass of people, if we always recognize how we are different, we will be divided. But if we take time to recognize why, how we are alike, as in we all need air, we are brought together as one. It is a terrible, terrible situation in Minneapolis. And I believe all religious leaders should speak out against it. There are many people in powerful positions, in leadership positions, that are thirsty. Thirsty. And they don't even know it. May God have mercy on them. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here, as we, as we spoke, spoke of the murder of George Floyd, as we speak of our own emotions, as we think of the things that go on inside of us that only you know, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit reign over us, that, that takes over inside of us, and that we can we can enjoy that peace, feel that peace, and that love and that unity of one another. Lord, as we are, we turn over our lives to you and recognize that that same Holy Spirit that came down that day before Peter is in us too. And we can have the same impact. We can, we can turn things around. We can make a difference. We can speak out against racism. We can speak out against the transgressions that subjugate men, men and women. Lord, is our place. Yes, people want to go to church and feel good, but there's also a calling that we raise up our voice. Lord, as we do, may the Holy Spirit fill us that indeed our voice is loud and clear and that you receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of response is a prayer 
for God's help in this life and throughout eternity. And it could be a prayer for as we leave our worship this morning, breathe on me, breath of God. Hymn number 393.